Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at Pod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk and if busting makes you feel good you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content alright can we just get on with this now please filmbusters people are um, saying oh isn't this so amazing from Brad Pitt because I never knew this Brad Pitt has this condition where he can't really recognise people's faces so really? he, wow. he, he doesn't recognise people that he's he knows I don't know what the condition's called but everyone's oh, wow. making this big deal about the fact that he f- suddenly saw Tarantino at the Golden Globes last night and rushed over to him and was hugging him and was like, oh, this is the impression that Tarantino makes on him. <laughs> what? Yeah, That's I know. It's a bit weird, isn't it's it? It's like, how can you miss that loud mouth? You, you, <laughs> a blind man with no Tarantinos in the room. That is an interesting condition. I've never heard of anything like it. I don't think it's like a blindness. I think it's like one of those where he knows that it's he recognises the person the but doesn't know who it is. Yeah. It's just sort of must scramble the vision. I don't know what the condition's called. Um... Scrambling the eyes condition. Nuts. Mm-hmm. What else won then? Well, Banshees of Inner Sharon won for the best, uh, well, it won for best musical or comedy. No, she I, I, I spoke about it this morning. Um, what kind of bullshit is that? How can you put music, first of all, how do you put music and comedy in one category? Yeah, I agree. Right? And secondly, why is that the only genre? I know. And then it's best film. And to be honest with you, of Banshees, if you had to pick between it being a drama or a comedy, that's a drama for me. I know it's funny, yeah. but it's not a comedy yeah, yeah. film yeah. for me. As we spoke about in our in our yearly roundup, it's literally like comedy can be in anything. Yeah. It's so broad. And drama, it was the Fablemans, which is clearly going to sweep everything. I, you know, hands down now, Fablemans is going to win the Oscar. Yeah. Best picture. Yeah. Mm. They're going to do well, it. I, know, I haven't actually seen it, so I can't really say. Just I, you just know it will, because it's Spielberg. It's a film about his yeah. life, family, the Academy are going to lap it up. So, I don't know if it is a film. I guess it is. I don't know too much about it other than it being like a person. camera. In one I've of seen a picture of him, like, in the cinema. Hmm. Well, I know that David Lynch is playing a very famous Hollywood director in it, so maybe that makes Who sense. Who playing David Lynch? Mm, exactly. Um, they gave the best actor in drama to Austin Butler for Elvis. I haven't seen Elvis. Do you think it he should have won good. that? Would you say he should have won that over the whale, Brendan Fraser? No. Well, see, this is the this is the story of the night for me. The fact that he won over Brendan Fraser. Who was it? Who Brendan Brendan Fraser slagged off and had a go Oh at yes, that's true. Of course. Like that's the whole reason he got kicked out of Hollywood, wasn't it? Well, Who did yeah. Slag off. It was a sexual it was a sexual allegation, wasn't it? Against. Oh yeah. Somebody. Oh, the president, shit. Yeah, I president that. of the Golden Globes, or something like that. Was it the Golden mm. Globes? Yeah, it was. So that's exactly. So that is not a good barometer of whether or not he's going to win the Oscar. Then that's almost a bit mm. of a fuck you for this guy. He's kind of just impersonated Elvis for a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Brendan Fraser already said fuck you to the Golden Globes. He was like, my mother didn't raise a hypocrite. Good for him, man. Did he not go? Mm. 
No, that's what he said ahead of the time. He, he said, I've been nominated, but I won't be attending because my mother didn't raise a hypocrite. Good girl. All right. Good, good. Did you say good girl? <laughs> good girl. Um, and uh, Colin Farrell won for best uh, actor in a musical or comedy film. Great speech. Great speech. I love the mm. love that he had for Brendan Fraser in that. And the donkey. Can and the little donkey. Mm-hmm. I must say, I've literally only just seen the guy from Everything Everywhere all at once do his little speech. Which I mean, that's, that's the speech of the night. It is yeah. adorable, yeah. But, I, but I've got to say that I love, even though regardless of what the actual film's like, I love how Colin Farrell just turned around and was like, Anna de Armas, I just loved you and you made me cry myself to sleep, kind of thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, it was a great moment. And then the audience laughed and he's like, that wasn't supposed to be funny, but who <laughs> yeah. am I to tell you what's uh, appropriate to laugh at in this day and age? <laughs> <laughs> got good improv. Yeah. <laughs> Angela Bassett won for Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Mm-hmm. Still ain't seen it. No, of course. Uh, Babylon didn't really win anything. Original score it won for. Yeah, I think Babylon's going to be a bit of a... Yeah, thing, good. Good. I've still got no interest in it already. No interest in it already. Banshee's won for best screenplay. The only thing that's put me off is it's three hours long. Mm-hmm. What would have beaten Banshee for best screenplay, though? Uh, I don't know. White Lotus won for best miniseries. Adam, you're watching it, so... I am in the second series. It's good, yeah. Oh, second series. See, where did this come about? I know. I thought it was just new, and now it's already second season. No, the first series came out about two years ago. But the the the, the series the, the stories are completely different. It's like each individual. Oh, okay. So there's no there's no characters that go over. It's just different. It's different hotels basically. One of them set in Hawaii. This one's set in Sicily. Right. And yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about anthology stuff anymore. Because I kind of I want to get really wrapped up in a story, and then when it's only ten episodes, like, oh, I've done it now. It's only six. Oh, six episodes. But apparently, I think there's only going to be three of them, and then it's done. It's the guy who fucking what's his name? Who wrote um, School of Rock? Okay, that is Mr. not an Play. endorsement. Play Mr. Sneedley. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's a fine film, School oh, of Rock. Oh yes. Did he write that? He wrote and directed it, and like yeah. he wrote it. He wrote, wrote it. And directed it. <laughs> The um, the one that I'm happy about is uh, I don't think you boys have seen it. Blackbird, the TV show. The guy who plays the killer in that, Paul Walter Hauser. He won for best supporting actor. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, he's brilliant in it. So that's very what's that well show deserved. about? So it's a true story. It's about it's about a um, guy that they suspected of killing dozens and dozens of young girls uh, in this oh, area of America, but he had only been arrested for one. And there right. was a chance that he was going to be released because there wasn't enough evidence. So they got, this is a true story, they got a convict who was already in looking at serious time for like gun smuggling and whatnot. They got him mm. to go undercover as essentially his cellmate to build this guy's trust and get this guy to reveal that he had done all these other killings of these girls in order for this guy to get an early release and for that serial killer to be behind bars for a long time. Oh, I won't shit. tell you what happens, but it was really good. And again, it's only six episodes. It's Ray Liotta's mm-hmm. last thing that he did. Um, I think Ray Liotta's in it. Yeah, Ray Liotta plays the convict's dad. Um, mm-hmm. What is this on? Apple. Oh, that's that's the fucking thing. It's it's what's his name? The guy who I never had any time for until I saw him in this, and I thought, oh, you're very good. The guy who who played Elton John in Rocket Man. Oh, Taron Ed- Edgerton. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he's very good in it. He's very good. I recommend it if you can get your hands on it. It's it's good. Yeah, I might have to do it. Oh, there's a, there's a quite a few bits I want to watch now. There you go. Hmm. 
Lovely shit. But the the biggest thing of the night, short round, winning the award. Yeah. I was delighted for him. It was a very nice speech. It, it was, was very pure. Mm. And it's going beyond him calling himself short round and becoming more than that. That's all it was about, really, wasn't it? You know, the bit emotional, the emotional bit that got me is right at the very end. You know it before he even says it. And he's like, and last but not least, and yes. it catches in his throat. And he's like, I know that's your wife. That can only yes. be love <laughs> that catches your emotion like that. And it yeah. made me like, oh, God, love is and amazing. It was like, turn away from the camera, like, do not put that camera on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love is lovely, isn't it? Pure. It is very lovely. Love in a world lovely. of made up shit, it was very pure. Imagine you've just won. Golden Globe for Best Actor. You thanked everyone else involved in the product, and now you're going to thank the love of your life. What do you say? The music's playing. You've got f- five, ten seconds maximum. Go. Good. You haven't got time to think. Go. Adam, go now. You thank you for the most important one of them all. Thank you for the most important one of them all. <laughs> Don't even say who it is. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, go. And last not least, uh, not forget, she deserves to be left on the pedestal right at the end. My beautiful wife, the beautiful mother, that is Zoe. Thank you so much for everything you have ever done. You are my rock. Thank you. Done. And I fall down the stairs. And she catches you. All right, very good. Shall we move on to talking somewhat about where we're going and what we're talking about today? Yes. But I actually got to talk about something else first. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the patron before we move on to that. we got a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters where you can get exclusive content. You can meet our lovely filmbusters family over there and you can you can pick the films we do on the show. Yes, you can. What are we doing on the episode after this episode, Adam? We're talking about our favourite films that involve serial killers, whether they are real serial killers, made up serial killers. Yeah. Very good. And it can't be a horror film. We're not talking about serial killers like Michael Myers, Jason, that sort of thing. No, no, it's no. It's not a horror no, film. No. It'll be psychological. Yes, 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 for sure. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I've, I've basically got, uh, I got about five because I want to, I want to bring ones up that hopefully you guys like. If you spoke about one that I've got on the list, I'm going to bring up another one. Yeah, me to say. I think there's a lot of them that are going to be. Yeah. I've got eight. Well, oh, seven, cool. seven now. I'm getting rid of one of them because one of them broke the rules. Very good. Well, that's good. I'm glad. Good, good. Well, look, you can subscribe to the Patreon, and you can you can check come them out. get that shit in your ears. You so, can go yeah. check it out. But let's move on to the staple of every episode. Adam, take it away. Do you want your first quiz of 2023? Yes. Can you tell us the rules? By any chance, Adam. So this is the one time that you'll get in the rules all year because I'm not doing this every week. <laughs> I asked Ben and Paul a question. If they get the question right, they get the point. If they get it wrong, I get the point. How many questions, Adam? There's going to be two today. Oh, shit, okay. You ready for it? Okay, Just fire yeah. away. Are this... we at what are the scores? Zero, zero, zero. <laughs> Very good. Zero, zero, zero. Let's see what's going to happen. Okay, who's okay. getting the first point of the year? You ready for Let's it? Let's see. Yes. Ready? How many years is the film set over? 22 years. Correct, Paul. Wow! Do it says at the end, and I, I was I was thinking I need to make a note of how many years, and then it just said at the end. I was like, Do you oh, give cool. me the bonus for the years that is set over. What every individual oh, year? I know that sixty-nine to ninety-one. You're correct. Who got it? Well, I say Ben got it. There you go. You got you got the, uh, the yeah. bonus. Is that a bonus? That. Or is so that so they both get a point each. Yes. Oh dear! Look at this shit. There's three questions. 
Fucking hell. Well, it wasn't. That was a bonus. <laughs> he's throwing curveballs from the off. This is the, this the kind of coat he's going to be, just throwing yeah. questions out willy-nilly. Chaos, man. Chaos. Okay, I don't know. What, another question number two. What does the Zodiac send to the newspapers to taunt the authorities? Uh, ciphers? Correct. There you go. Okay. Is that all you would have accepted? I was going to say... Um, Letters. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say a cut of T-shirt. Well, he said all you that, yeah. Yeah, I would have accepted that probably, though, though. Oh, maybe, was, there was a, maybe there was a list. We just had to name one of the list. <laughs> yes. Well, it was mainly the ciphers he kept sending throughout, wasn't it? So, Okay. Very good. Well, Adam's the host. Adam's the host. I'll film to make some questions up on. I will give you that. Well, there is plenty. There's very plenty. You can ask whatever you want, son. We know we shouldn't sass the host that we've learned through yes. the years. So. Yes, yes, yes. Well, great. Good start. Good start. Well done. Okay. Thanks, Adam. No worries. Should we move on to the actual film? Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about Zodiac. 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 I wouldn't think they would ask for capital punishment. We should ask the district attorney. Do you want me to do that, Sam? Do you want me to talk to the district attorney? Well, what was that, Sam? I did not say anything. We heard a scream. That was my headache. You sound like you're in a great deal of pain. My head aches. I'm so sick. Oh, I'm going to kill them. Oh, I'm going to oh, kill okay. them. Fantastic. Right, everyone. Today we're talking about Zodiac. This is Zodiac from 2007 by David Fincher. This is a spoiler episode, so we'll go straight into spoilers. No hanging around. If you haven't seen it, you might want to go watch it first and come back and listen to us. But, I mean, it's based on a true story. So, you know. Oh, yes. We can't do much spoiling. First of all, I got I got a whole list of actors who've been in films. I bet you have. <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a stacked cast. So, you know, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of moving parts. So, let me just run through... I'll, I'll go through the lead ones, you can tell me, but then I'll just run through the rest of them. All right. So, obviously, we've got David Fincher. Okay, so he has done the game. I think that's all we've yes. done from him, yeah? That's it. Yeah, this is the second David Fincher film. We've got Jake Gyllenhaal. He's got two films. Wildlife. Nocturnal Animals. There we go. Yeah, you've got both of them. We've got Mark Ruffalo. I mean, this is quite obvious. Some of the Avengers stuff. Yeah, two of the Avengers and Captain Marvel, although I don't remember him being in that. Mm. We've got Robert Downey Jr., same again, Avengers movies. And he was also, which I never knew, in The Nice Guys. He plays the body of a person. Yeah, he does. He's oh, in yeah. the when he rolls down the, the episodes. Yeah. Because he was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, wasn't he? Oh, of course we did. Yeah, we did speak about that. Yes, yes, we did. Yes. Very it is good. Him. Yeah, I remember that now. Um, uh, Anthony Edwards, who plays R- Ruffalo's partner. Oh, what's he been in? He's Goose, mate. <gasps> oh, shit. No way. Now, now when you look at him, you're like, oh, yeah. Of course he is. Fuck. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Look at that. God, that's not my socks off more than any reveal on this podcast in five years. I know. I, I didn't even clock it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Cool, blind. you got Chloe Savini. What? She, oh, hang on. She's been in... Um... It was your pick. Don't tell me. Don't tell picks, me. Ben. Fuck me. Oh, damn it. Oh, man. I used to fancy her when I was younger as well. Oh, really? I think it's exactly what you said in the podcast as well. I'm sure I did. Fuck, don't tell me. Oh, man. Oh, 
fuck me. I mean, the big thing that keeps coming in my head is American Psycho, but obviously we haven't covered it. You have to tell me. I can't believe I don't know. My son, my son, what have you done? Yeah, shit. Man. We got John Carroll Lynch. He is uh, the director of Lucky. Is he? Yeah. Which stunned me. Yeah. I mean, he's been in so much, hasn't he? He has been in a lot. What's he been in that we've done? Face Off. Can't even remember him in it. He was the god. Oh, yeah, the one who's looking down on Nick Cage through the cage. Yes, yes. Uh, we got Dermot Mulroney, who, who was in uh, Burn After Reading. He's, I don't know whether you remember, but there's a, like a fake trailer, and this girl's on like a tree, and he's like, will you get down from there? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's him. Uh, and then we got uh, Philip Baker Hall, who's the handwriting expert. Yes, he's Bookman from Seinfeld, the library cop. Yes, and he's also in Midnight Run. Oh, yes. And then lastly, Bob Stevenson, who was in the game. I mean, he's a very... This is the only other actor. He's a very small role in it. I can't even remember where he is, mm. but he was in the game. And that's it. That's a lot there. There we go. We haven't done anything with Brian Cox in before. No. Wow, okay. Yeah, I know. Okay, okay. Look at that. Look at right, that. Adam. Yes. Would you like to give us a plot summary of this film? Yeah, so this film is about the Zodiac Killer. It is indeed. And it's that's, about that's that. <laughs> it's about a journalist or a cartoonist trying to in, he's following the investigation along with the police to try and find out who the Zodiac Killer is. Pretty much. Pretty much. Know if you can say much more than that. Well, we'll try to over the next hour or so. I hope so. Here's some facts and figures and stuff. So, as Paul said, it was inspired by the reign of. Uh, it was in the, inspired by the reign of serial of the serial killer, the Zodiac serial killer from the late sixties to early nineties, who rose to fame after sending coded letters after his second crime to the San Francisco Chronicle, warning of forthcoming attacks. Uh, David Fincher was asked to do it based on his work on Seven, um, although this is the anti-Seven, as we have no idea who the killer is. Um, there are theories as to who the Zodiac Killer was, but the version presented in this film is only based on one man's book and one man's perception. So in the absence of a killer you can determine, you get a movie that concentrates on all the people surrounding the crime. Now, do you know who was originally going to be directing this? No, no idea. Uh, Brian De Palma was originally going to direct it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And Fincher was going to be directing... Uh, an adaptation of the Black Dahlia, which is a, a true crime mm. uh, novel from like the 30s, 40s, based on like a murder that happened around the time of Marilyn Monroe. But that fell through, and both directors switched places. So Fincher moved to Zodiac, and De Palma went over to the Black mm. Dahlia. Look at that. Um, you see it? I haven't seen it actually. No, I think I started reading the book way back, but yeah, I can't really remember anything about it. Um, and Fincher was drawn to the Zodiac story because he spent so much of his childhood in that sort of area during the initial murders. And for him, he said the killer was the ultimate boogeyman. He felt it was his job to dispel the myth around the case by saying what was fact and what was fiction. And he told the screenwriter, James Vanderbilt, that he wanted the screenplay to be rewritten with research done from all the original police reports. 
and Fincher found that there was so much speculation and hearsay, so he wanted to interview all the people who were directly involved in the case in person to see if their stories were believable, and he would corroborate everything. So whether it was a police officer or an actual uh, survivor from a crime scene, he would always have a second person to verify what was being said because he felt the burden of responsibility in making a film that would convict someone posthumously was so immense. And wow. uh, there we go. That's that's what we need for now. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. I never knew that. Yeah. Mm. Very factual. Very factual, mm. man. He likes facts. Well, when you go into a film of this, especially with so much like fucking theories and shit, it's probably best to do that kind of thing because you don't want to yeah. just no. throw every theory to the wall, kind of thing. I know, right? Well, very good. Very uh, good, Ben. This is your film, so you get to decide what order you want our first impressions. Oh yeah, it's my film. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Reverse of classic film busters. I'll go first, eh? And then uh, Adam and okay. then Paul lost. So I picked this film because I'd only ever seen it once, many many years ago, maybe when it first came out, and I didn't really gel with it at the time. But I could barely remember it. I just remember feeling very underwhelmed by it. But I know that generally speaking, people will speak quite highly of it. I think Paul particularly. So I thought well, this is a good chance to to revisit it. And I also wanted to revisit it post Mindhunter, where I've seen that Finchers can do mm. great work when dealing with the real life serial killers and the the psychology behind it all. But this was very different to Mindhunter in, in a way because it wasn't so much about getting in the psychology of Zodiac, which is what I thought in my in my mind that it would be about. It's much more about the process of trying to find him and what becomes obsession for the, for these people. So it was I much I, I enjoyed it so much more. On, on this rewatch, um, I thought for the most part, all of the performances were very strong. And more than that, I thought the actual central mystery was very fucking intriguing because truth is stranger than fiction, as they say. So when you see things like Brian Cox's television personality, whoever he was in the real world, going on a talk show to take a call from the Zodiac, you're like, this is fucking baffling. But that mm. shit happened. So it is yeah. like it was like watching a documentary, but being performed really, really well. Like you know when they do those dramatic mm. recreations in a documentary, it was like if Fincher did that for this film, and it was very engrossing. I liked the way it shot. I liked the fact that even though there were loads of facts and figures and stats and stuff, it it didn't get to a point where it was like, oh, this is boring now. I'm switching off. It compelled me the whole time. It almost makes you as obsessed as the Jake Gyllenhaal character, but. For all of that, I couldn't, in the back of my mind, get away from the idea that I know that this wasn't solved, certainly not in at that time. I know that they didn't know who the Zodiac Killer was, so I knew that it was not going to have a satisfying conclusion. So when it got to the end that it has, I thought, well, this is very fucking ballsy, because what you're essentially saying here is, this is the guy. Mm. And I thought, is that widely accepted? And it really isn't. It is this one guy's yeah. theory. And I don't know how comfortable I am with it. Maybe he is the killer. Maybe he is. But there's a chance that he may not be. So I'm not sure how comfortable I am with the film. I know that Fincher has said he did all due diligence to try and make sure that he only uh, represented what people had said and done. But you are essentially saying, with that final shot and with the, the words that come up on screen, this is number one suspect. It was probably him. It made me feel... A certain way i thought mm, i don't know i would have preferred it if we didn't have the end title cards talking about what was his name lee allen or whatever i would have yeah. preferred it if it sort of ended with Hall just looking him in the eyes because then as an audience we go oh well was it him 
It doesn't mm. say it probably was him. Yeah. Anyway, that aside, there's a lot more to talk talk about when we actually go through stuff. But just to flag the three things that I didn't really like about it. One was, and this is a recurring thing in Fincher films, I would say, was the role of the wife, the woman, the partner in it, who, as in many films, becomes a side character that sort of is like, oh, come on, you need to focus on us. That's all her agency was. Um, She's like a a tool to show that the man's become obsessed and forgotten about family life. It's like you forget that he's even with her for half the film. Like, she's just there. You're like, oh, is that his wife again? She needed a little something more. We don't even get to say goodbye to her either. She just she's gone. That's true. She's just gone. She leaves the house. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean that, that 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 may be part of the narrative because it's like by the point by that end of the film, he's so consumed by who the Zodiac is that mm. those people don't exist for him. Um, even though the details and what not were compelling, it didn't necessarily always feel cinematic to me. It felt a lot of the time like we were just having to listen, and I was interested in listening, but it wasn't particularly cinematic, and. And this is no surprise. Robert Downey Jr.'s character was, for me, completely pointless. Whether or not he was a real character or not, he felt less fleshed out than he could have been. He, or he could have been dropped from the story altogether. You could, you should have either dropped him or beef his character up a bit. Because all he did, yeah, for I my money, was yeah. play himself. And it felt pointless to me. Yeah. You could have lost his character and lost half hour, 40 minutes from the film. I, I get that Fincher wanted to make an accurate representation of the people and the main players, but he wasn't a big enough player for me to, to really care about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, as usual, I'm going to say I kind of agree with a lot of Ben said. I watched this film probably about seven or eight years ago for the first time um, when I was kind of going through all of these kind of films. And uh, yeah, I enjoy it, but I don't really remember anything about it. And I think I remember like the gist of the story and who the Zodiac was, but you don't remember what the film, the actual film itself. And I think that's the same again this time round. It's like you said, Ben, it's quite not very cinematic in places. It's very much, this is a played out documentary, uh, a played out story. It's played out well, but it is just a, yeah, it is kind of like hitting facts and hitting points and hitting moments of and I feel like you can't really avoid that when you look at something like Seven that he also did Mm. um, which is incredible but that's obviously a dramatisation of something so yeah you can't really you can't really compare them but at the same time you can but yeah that's kind of how I feel that's how I take it away it is maybe a bit too long as well Um, especially like the way it plays out it does come towards the end and you also you kind of know in your head that they haven't found this guy so why are we still dragging it out what are we still doing to make this story continue but yeah it's still it's still fundamentally it's a really good film but yeah it's those little things that just make it feel like a documentary Mm. Mm mhm fair Um, so I trying to think i probably watch this film about i'm gonna say at least four times i've seen this film wow um on the surface i always remember this film for its like absolutely brutal murder scenes that's what i always sticks with me like they they work well because of the like the imminent dread you're about to experience and you're almost viewing the kills through the eyes of the zodiac himself like the stabbing of the couple in the at the picnic is by far the worst but like the before I kill you, I'm going to throw your baby out the window is fucking horrendous. It's just yeah. so like, yeah. because yeah. you know, the fact that you know it's coming, you know he's the killer's there and all the people, the victims, they're just all so innocent 
and then it's like it's like they're leading they're leading to their doom and you're like oh no it's horrible but um once you look deeper at his film as you said it's just all about obsession and it's it's something that like i can absolutely gel with when looking at the zodiac case i know i did and i'm pretty sure ben did but you get you get in your head that you could maybe be one to solve the Zodiac ciphers. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not the ciphers, the but yeah, the case I would like to solve. Yeah, <laughs> the ciphers is too much for me. I can't start yeah. code cracking. I did try as a teenager. I was fascinated by it. And like mostly every character is plagued by this obsession and none more than Jake Gyllenhaal. And I think, I think as, you, as you said about Rob Downey Jr., this, is, this was almost like just, although it does feel pretty pointless, it was just another way to show how someone's obsession can lead them and where it can lead them to, kind of thing. Um, mm, yeah. Uh, and there's actually no real answers from the obsession. It's like you could go around in circles from suspect to suspect, but due to the like the time, the resources, and just like the sloppy handling of the case, you'll never have a solid answer. This is like this is also why the film is like a double-edged sword for me. It's like, it's great in everything it, it portrays and conveys, but I always come out feeling a little, a little dissatisfied mm. because of that very thing. And it's, I think it's just because I don't get the answer I want because, and it would, unless like there's some massive turnover in the case, we will never know because there's so many suspects and so much evidence. I thought there was something recently where they found out who it was or who it could be they try they try to uh check the dna under the stamps that was it. and oh, then okay. nothing's come of it yet they haven't given any oh, also someone died recently like in the last three years who was oh you're talking about the um the guy who uh it was a new suspect and they, they yeah. went by the fact what his his forehead looked like the lines in his forehead and that's what <laughs> the the cartoon like the um what do you call it the um the sketch yeah yeah, the, the police that's sketch. What the sketch had the police sketch. It had the lines in his head. It's like, come on, man. Do mm. you think that that person who's who was doing his eyewitness account said his lines looked exactly like this? I know. Nah, that's a bit of bullshit. But um, yeah, I I don't get the answer I want, but I still get a great film that asks the questions and gives me the theories. So I do think it comes out pretty solid in the end, and I do think I do think it's a great film, regardless of that. Good. Before we go, go on anymore, um, for for you guys, if you're interested, literally by complete chance, two days ago, Channel Four uh, have put out a new documentary called "The Hunt for the Zodiac Killer," which is following oh, these wow. investigators who are working through new evidence to try. Is this, and- the, is this like the team of the cr- the case crackers? Like they they all try to solve cold cases. I don't know. Those, I don't know. It's 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 five episodes. They all came out. Are on they Monday. following the same thing of this? They're following the same people in this film, or not? I don't know. It just it just says a team <laughs> of investigators uncover new evidence to help decipher the infamous Soviet killer's letters. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So nice. Might be worth a, might be worth a watch. Um, I think that's the, that's the thing though, isn't it? It's so every every kind of suspect has their like drawbacks. Like you would think, yeah, awfully Allen. But it's like his his handwriting. They just said it never matched. It's like for both his hands. <laughs> I mean, there's there's so much circumstantial thing. Like you're never going to be able to definitively like. So the other day, I said to you boys in a WhatsApp group, I, I mm. said I would love to be a detective. I think it's the most fascinating line of work. If only you could shut off 
as yeah. soon as you left the workplace so like, I know, it's a thing, yeah. in, if you know severance the tv series i wish that i could do that and be a detective because then i would so that i i don't take any of it home with me because you have to commit to it it has to become your full-time life like if you want to mm. solve a crime like that you can't clock out you need to be constantly obsessed and also come to peace with the fact that you could be working on something for decades and not yeah. get any closer to the answer which is baffles me how people can devote their lives to something in that way it's almost the same way as people devote their life to being the killer that they people do it just for the good rather than the bad well that's a very very interesting point yeah they're almost like the the reverse of that coin yeah i'm Mm. dedicated my life my passion my calling is to kill i guess they they can both come from compulsion it's like you're, compo- mm. you're you need to solve this this murder. It's like takes over your life, just like yeah. it would for a killer. So there's something about maybe being a psychopath or sociopath to be a killer, but also it takes a psychopath to potentially be a cop as well, yeah. mm-hmm. a detective. It must be hard, man. You got to be some kind of yeah. You got you got to be in some way cold to that kind of stuff, like seeing bodies and man. You just got to be able to shut off totally, yeah. right? Because you can't be emotional about that stuff. I would mm. like that. I used to many, many years ago. I a vet that was known to the family uh, came to the house to put down a a, a cat, mm. and she was saying she can't even think of it as a sad thing. She can't emotionally think about it because otherwise she wouldn't be able to be a vet and to help. So yeah. she cannot bring emotion to it. Yeah. And that's, yeah, like surely that's the only way you can be good at your job in maybe not um, emotionally intelligent when dealing with like survivors and victims and stuff like that. But in order to crack the case, I guess you need to lack that emotional intelligence. It's like mm. Sargon Oren in The Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she's so, because of her, her condition, she's so, well, whatever. We won't get that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think this this is why... This film's very good because it kind of tries to tackle every kind of scenario, every scenario with like how different people take on that kind of obsession. You have like Goose, who just decides I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I need to like sever. I need to sever it mm. and walk away, move away, just literally get away from this place. I was happy for him when he did that. I was yeah. like, well, that would be me. Yes, you do need to be with your wife, mate. Yeah, and he walks. To the, he goes and walks, and he's literally cuddled his wife, and like yeah. walks off with her. It's like this is this mm. is more Walking important than trying to solve this case. Yeah, yeah, and kind of um, Ruffalo kind of did that in a way as well. I know he, he got he's, bored he's on the almost. sideline. Yeah, he's on the sideline trying to. I think I think more his his um, superiors kind of push him that way because he was so sure it was Arthur Allen, but there was no way he could do things legally to try and pin it on him kind of thing yeah i thought it was interesting because it that was probably that's probably very true of any true crime case when a detective is working on it is okay some of the pieces fit so you work so hard to try and make the other pieces fit that mm. you almost you look for things that aren't there that scene when they go and interrogate uh leo for allen for the first time in that room and the, Great. One, the one cop looks at his foot like, oh, yep. the foot, the footprint. Yeah. He looks at the watch, oh, Zodiac mm. watch, and the other one sees something else. They're all like, okay, this is our guy. But it's because mm. they walk into that room wanting 
it to yeah. be their guy. So you look yeah. for it. It's like it's like anything because if you have a belief system about the world, you will look for patterns in the world that reinforce that belief system. If you believe that the government are corrupt and whatnot, you will look for everything that backs up that theory. If you believe that doctors lie to you, you will look for everything that backs up that theory. And I yeah. think for, that, for those detectives, when they get enough to think this could be our man, to go so far down that, that line of thought, to then get frustrated by either some technicality of, oh, well, this didn't match or whatnot. It's, it's like, fuck. What, how do you rectify that in your mind? I think what, what's so clever, what Finch has done, is he's drawn the audience into to that obsession as well and given them all like the the tools to try and work out who it is. So when you walk into that room and after Leanna walks in, it's it's a it, they give you a little time to kind of sit with him and after Leanna's he's twisting his watch, he's mm. got his foot up, yeah. he's like he's playing with all these these things that you know that can pin it on him and they make you think, okay, this is the guy before the police even say anything. Because they want you to believe it as well. Like, you make mm-hmm. your own assumptions that it's him. And I think that's really clever. I think it's great. But I also see it. It can see it from the other side as well. I almost feel that it's Arthur Leannon taunting them. It can yeah. be seen as that as well. Like, he's twisting his watch. Like, look, pin it on me. But try and actually make it, like, he's the case on me. Them. I bet you can't. Yeah. There's I think that's a, it's a great scene. It's one of the best. It is, yeah, it is a great scene. But like for all for all through our minds when we're watching that scene, it's like, well, we know that they didn't catch the Zodiac killer, so yeah. this can't yeah. this can't be the guy, mm. even though it could be, as we yeah. learned, it could be. Um, just just so you know, on that, funny enough, Jim Cummings of all people uh, made a comment to say, for anyone interested, here are some case facts about Arthur Lee Allen. He attended mm. college where a brutal murder happened on a football field and the the uh, hierarchies at the college got anonymous letters from the killer afterwards. They never found out who did that. Arthur Lee Allen was at that, at the game. And Arthur Lee Allen also got a speeding ticket near the lake on the night of those, those murders and he was 50 miles from his home. So why is he mm. getting a speeding ticket so near the site mm. of that murder, 50 miles away from his home. I mean, it's all circumstantial, is, though. Yeah, yeah, I know. The thing is, half the time, it's like, it, it fits almost too well, doesn't it? It's like, mm-hmm. come on. And um, I love, this is why also I think it's it's very much like he's taunting, because he's everything he's saying is almost trying to lead the police to him, but he's mm. like, he's, he's getting a thrill out of it. Like, he's he himself brings up, oh, the most dangerous game. Yes. He's like, oh, and it's like, oh, you fuck, you little fuck. You're try- it's like you're trying to tease them, like, this is me, but what are you going to do about it? But having said that, but see, this is, again, this is what is so brilliant about what Fincher is doing in it. Yes, in that scene, you're like, oh, here's our man. Here's our yeah. man. Yeah. How brilliant is that scene towards the end of the film where Gyllenhaal goes to that uh, projectionist's house and yes. we, yeah. we pretty much know it is not that man, right? We know yeah. it's not, but the moment that he's like, he didn't write any of the words on those posters, I did. For Gyllenhaal, in that moment, he's so paranoid and so obsessed by the facts that mm. for him, he suddenly makes all of it click, and that could be the killer. Yeah. In that moment, yeah. forget everything that he's learned about uh, the other guy, the, the guy who he thinks made the posters was the killer. He now, it's now, I'm in the killer's basement. And mm. everything clicks. We're in a basement. Here's movie posters. He works on the movie posters. Why? Why? Why has he got this? Um, 
reel of film down here that he wants to show me. Everything starts clicking for him. He walks with a slight limp. And that is Fincher being brilliant because it's like he knows that nobody knows who the Zodiac Killer is. So in the world of this film, technically, any of these people could be the killer. That mm, he could be absolutely. in the killers. We kind of feel like, oh, this isn't the killer. But Jake Gyllenhaal's like, well, this I think this is the killer. And he mm. and, and so you're working on two levels. You're like, no, it's not. But at the same time, you're like, is it? Yeah, and it's almost amped up in Gyllenhaal's mind. And also, it's almost like this guy's playing with him as well. <laughs> Just cause, because he's kind of freaked him out. Yeah. But it's, it's played so well. Like It's almost like he is the killer suddenly. And it's like, oh shit. You believe it. In, the in way the lights he's are the one you're probably the most scared of as well. He is yeah. creepy, yeah. 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 It's, and he does that little smile when he's closed the door. It's like yeah. this little guy just trying to come and f- figure out who it is. Yes. And he thinks it's me. But see, but I think <laughs> that all that goes hand in hand with the idea of, of obsession. It, it, like, yeah. for me, whether or not, even though I don't like the fact that the end of the film sort of kind of almost definitively says Lee Arthur Allen was the killer. Mm. it's possible that it is what I like about the film is that it is clearly about where obsession leads you if you become so obsessed by a thought or an idea it consumes you to the point where anything that doesn't support that becomes irrelevant so for Hall, family is irrelevant his kids are irrelevant by that point it is mm. just about to matter. even though he says to her I just need to look him in the eye when she says when will it end I just need to look him in the eye do you think he looks that man in the eye and then goes home no. and never thinks about it again. Of course no, he, he does. He writes that excited. fucking book. Yeah. He mm. writes that He writes that book, releases that book, and becomes even more obsessed. Yeah. And you know everyone's going to come to them with his, their theories of what they thought, and mm. it's never going to end. He's, he's, he's almost made it worse for himself by releasing the book because he's the figurehead of where everyone can go to. Yeah. And putting like, a target on his head, you know, to, to be so obsessed by something that you're willing to put your face out there so that the Zodiac knows mm. who you are and can mm. potentially be calling you home. Like, what do you think? Do you think that was a Zodiac calling or just like pranksters? Could be anything, couldn't it? Pranksters. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Scary shit. I would not put myself in that situation. That's another nah. reason I could not do that. I would never want to put anyone that I love in jeopardy. Yeah. And to draw your kids into it as well. Literally trying to make mm-hmm. them like little investigators. Yeah. It's kind of mm. funny, but kind of depressing at the same time. Yeah, yeah. No wonder the wife took them away. <laughs> I know, right? And one of them wasn't even hers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just ran off with the first kids, the firstborn. Yeah, that is right, isn't it? They had yeah, kids yeah, so yeah, quickly, yeah. man. Like, it said four years later, and not only have, have are they living together, they've got two kids mm, in mm, four years. That is one of the things, isn't it? It's so... I think that is that could be like... A negative on this film it is very fleeting it's like they give you the information and then you moved on years down the line it's like mm. God, give us time to settle in and i guess because it's such a big sprawling case yeah it is and yeah. The, and and all those jumps across time it's kind of like the when it suddenly says three years later four years later it makes you go fuck it's still not solved and then at yeah. the same time it's like and in that time these people are still working on this thing yeah yeah i think i think that makes it even more um, on Robert Downey Jr. for just being a pointless like place in the story, other than just showing this is what obsession looks like in the end. Yeah, I mean, because he doesn't really do anything. No, he doesn't, and it, I didn't think about the fact that he was also obsessed. I never kind of really thought of Wasn't it that he way. But you were right, between the two is. of them, like he was given general the information and all that kind of stuff. 
No, I don't know. He kind of he w- he was contacted by someone who said I have some information, and then we were led to believe for a while that maybe he was going to become a Zodiac victim, and mm. then he just ends up getting some information ahead of Mark Ruffalo's character and whatnot. But like all of that was not very interesting. That may have happened, but I just didn't need to see that really. I think he was just there to um, he was just la- he just latched onto Gyllenhaal because he could see there was something in him that want that that kind of was in the killer's mind that he could use for his own advice to write his stories and stuff mm. and um and it just got it just got him in in the ship because he he was he was almost taunting the zodiac killer in his writing he was calling him homosexual at some point wasn't he and um mm. and that's almost painted a target on his back yeah and i think that's almost he obviously he was obviously paranoid for the rest of his life and just was drawn to alcohol because of that reason yeah i like the idea that he became I mean, he was already clearly an alcoholic anyway, but I like the idea that he sunk deeper and deeper into the bottle because he couldn't couldn't crack the Zodiac case as mm. a reporter. I like that idea. Yeah. Because it's also mentioned very fleetingly that he has a wife earlier on when he's at the paper. His boss says, go home to your wife. And then mm. the next thing we see years later, on he's a, on a boat. a boat. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, my, my MVP is Mark Ruffalo in this. I think he puts in the best performance out of the actors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's very good in Mark this, Mark Ruffalo is a fantastic actor when you... you but everyone just reminds him of the Hulk. He's like, the man. He's the man. He's the in absolute so man. so many good films, but yeah. Don't forget, he's uh, he was at the crux of our first entwining, the three of us. He was on Graham Norton. He was oh, one he of the was, guests on that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You remember that? Look at that. Yeah. I just remember Brian Croissant. Yeah, <laughs> Brian Croissant and Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> that wasn't that same day, was it? Yeah, it was. We had that conversation up in the production office. Gyllenhaal was solid. He was solid, but he was also like, mm. yeah, what you, kind of what you expect. Yeah, yeah. He has this sort of like very naive. Um, there's with with Gyllenhaal, he he can do naive quite well, but he can also do obsessed quite and well, paranoid, yeah. very well, mm. naive and frantic kind of thing. But there's just something very likable about Ruffalo. He's like He's very common ground as well, isn't it? It's like when Gyllenhaal goes to him at the end. And explain to him like how can you how can you deny this bit how can you deny this bit when he went to prison you stopped getting the letters when he came out you got your free letters again and it's all of that mm. and it's just like you can't mm. you've got to like let it go mate like we can't get it yeah mm. I mean if you're a detective you need that sort of thing yeah. like you do mm. you do need to have that like you can see for for Ruffalo even though it had gone cold on him I don't think he was done with it bored of it he was just like frustrated that they never got anywhere everything was, was a dead end sense? so he was like it's in my past but as soon yeah. as Hall rocks up with all those papers he's like at that breakfast meeting at, towards the end of the film Ruffalo's all in again he's like wow okay I'm with you yeah. this this adds up this adds up mm. I like all that stuff like um, when he first goes to breakfast with, breakfast with him and he's all like I can't tell you. I can't tell you to go see this person. Yeah, I yeah. can't tell you to go. <laughs> yeah. I can't say that you should go and visit so-and-so over here. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I liked was how every time you saw the Zodiac, it was clearly like a different actor playing the Zodiac. Yeah. There mm. was four mm. different actors, I think, that played him. That's mm. right, yeah. Which so is you really nice. couldn't get into a groove. Do you reckon it was is it was the suspects, the people who, who thought it was? Or do you think it was totally different actors? It was totally different actors, yeah. It was, yeah. You look through the credits, it said like Zodiac 1, 2, and 3. I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah, 1, 2, oh, 3, cool. 4. I never saw that. Um, and Thingy, uh, John Carroll Lynch never plays the Zodiac. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I mean, he's very, he's so tall. He's so big. <laughs> he is a tall man, yeah. Yeah. 
it, the whole time I was watching that, I was just so sad that they cancelled Mindhunter. Oh, mate, tell me about yeah. it. That is that could it's have been one like, of the great TV sh- series mm, of our time. It's it just nipped in the bud too soon. Mm. It's just like why I just just like when you watch Fincher make this kind of stuff, you're just like, fuck me, like you can do this so well. Like he's very good at it. Yeah. And again, this is I, I said it about David Lynch with Wild at Heart. He was fine tuning shit that he would later go on to do. For me, this was Fincher fine-tuning for Mindhunter, because Mindhunter mm. is this, but perfect. This, yeah. yeah, because like it's more he, interesting, there's more dynamic to it. It's Exactly. See, Fincher, how does Fincher in an hour of a, of a TV series manage to make, for every single individual hour of Mindhunter, for me, is better than the entirety of this film. And that's just because of how he constructs the episodes, how he reveals the information without it just being I'm going to give you an information dump which I is think interesting because it's more I think because the whole process at the bottom is just interesting there's mm. more psychology in Mindhunter yeah, which it. is interesting there yeah. is no there's no real attempt to get into the psychology of, of the Zodiac Killer here because they his MO is all over the place which is also what's fascinating about him mm. and because also you're dealing I think they're dealing with matter of facts as well so it's a little bit more I don't know yeah. I mean that's it that, just that's just about it while that while that is is to like Fincher's credit, I think that is what holds this film back a bit because it's interesting. But he but does it's not... so he does a, does bat around it so well, like you said, like playing different actors, playing all these little things here and there. Mm. It works, but I feel like I'm, yeah, it is just yeah, Mindhunter is just the one. Yeah. It is it is the one. It's probably the best thing Netflix have produced beside Better Call Saul. Well, potentially, certainly something, certainly mm. something. Um, the screenwriter of this thing, James Vanderbilt, has the most awful, in my opinion, uh, filmography. So the fact that he wrote this is a bit baffling to me. Not that mm. it's incredible writing, but because it's like fairly good. He did, his other credits are like Basic, that Travolta film from 25 years ago, 20 years ago. The first couple of Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. Man, I wonder if it's like a first draft. Michael and Mann's ambulance. This is from when... Because clearly Fincher got hold of it and changed it for his... It, it, it doesn't even say... It doesn't even credit Fincher as a writer. No, he's not. It's James Vanderbilt. There's four... Th- this is kind of what's interesting about this film. There are four takes on the Zodiac in this film. First, you've got the the guy who wrote the book, the the actual cartoonist. Mm. who wrote the book then you've got uh, James Vanderbilt's screenplay of it then you've got Fincher's um, direction of it all coupled with the fact that the book was written based on other people's testimony that's four different sets of Mm. point of views on the whole thing that's why you can't take anything as gospel in this movie even though Fincher did his due diligence so you can probably say it's fairly safe but you're ultimately looking at shitloads of of point of views I'd be interested to see what the police think of this film the detectives who worked on it if they're like yeah that's that's what we think too yeah for sure it's um I mean I'm sure so many people have different theories about this case it's just it's just going on the Wikipedia page you're just sprawling with different theories different suspects different it's like Here's my question Man, to you, to you boys. It, even though it's called Zodiac, and we, we, a lot of the focus is on that, ultimately, what I take away from this film is it's, in a funny way, it's a criticism of Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, 
of, yeah, of, sure. of the author of that book who who has got so down the rabbit hole of it that he lost fucking everything. But yeah. my question to you is why would why does he care so much? Why does he care so much? Because he was in the he was from the origin of it and he was like wrapped up in being part of that newspaper. He was there. But he lo- was, he but was there of people, when the letters loads came Loads of people in. were. What was it in his life? What was in his psychological he thing? Assess- he might just be assessed by it. Yeah, I know, but there has to be something, right, in the, in the human mind, in the brain. Mm. What is it? What is it? You would it's almost the same say- thing that makes him want to be a serial killer. Yeah, I know, but those things are worth picking over. I think there's clearly something missing in his life because we don't get his full story, but the fact that he's, he's not of his wife anymore... But There's he has something a son. going on there. He's got a son. Well, you can, you can have a child with someone, and then they think they can fix it. No, I know, but, but that I, I mean, it. I mean, it's not that he has nothing. He has a child, so it's not mm. like he has absolutely nothing. So he's he's yeah, yeah, of course. immersing but himself we, in this. He is a child who, at first, he wants to protect from mm. the Zodiac. Doesn't want him getting on the bus in case it blows up. Doesn't want him watching the news reports. Mm, yeah, and then, as true. you say, by the end, he's got him involved in the fucking case, and he's mm. he's leaving him for dust. Yeah. I mean, when you're so immersed in something like that, you just get taken away, and it's like that's all you can think about. So it does not like I, when you're something when you're so close to something, it does not surprise me that someone can get lost down a rabbit hole like that. Look how we can just look at conspiracies and look at the you said about the you were fascinated by this murder, these murders that happened the other yeah, uh, the ones couple of weeks Idaho. ago, yeah. and you could just get lost in a rabbit hole. Of, oh, why? Why did this happen? Mm. It's like it's, it's fucking just happened. It's like, but you can still still get lost in it because you want to know. You just want to know the mindset, why, and like. But you know, like it's it's one thing to be constantly reading about it and being interested, watching documentaries, reading news articles about it. It's another thing to do what he did, which was put himself in harm's way multiple times. But he's a journalist, though. Like that's. What but he, he wasn't. Did, he was a cartoonist. That's the what? thing. That's what he was originally. He became mm. an author because he became so obsessed by it all. Mm. I mean, why does anyone do anything they they do? But in this, it, it's a it's yeah. a little wound I can't help lick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it probably helps the fact that it's um, unsolved for so many years as well. Mm. Especially at that time, it must have been hysteria just thinking there was a guy going around murdering people. Like, imagine there was a guy just going around murdering people now. Like, m- killed multiple people. Mm-hmm. We would be consumed by it. Like I know. Should we let anyone out? Should we go out at night? What What should we do? Like you'd be consumed by it, especially at that time if it's so fresh. Because of these Idaho mur- murders recently, I I said to Jenny, we just don't have not like oh I miss the good old days when we had serial killers, <laughs> yeah. but we just don't have them in the same way. And it's it's because of surveillance now. It's impossible. Yeah. It's almost it impossible for a serial killer one to get away. Yeah. Forensics is like next mm. level as well, isn't it? It's all yeah. yeah, and and just the digital footprint that everyone has nowadays with yeah. phones pinging and everyone pretty much having a camera. It's hard to do anything anywhere these days and get away with it. Mm. Which is why the Idaho stuff was so fascinating to me because for five to six weeks it was like they had no suspect, but subsequently it's transpired that they knew who it was after a week. They were just tailing him for a month until they yeah. built up their case. Yeah, so they wouldn't necessarily let anything happen. However, they do suspect that this guy who did these Idaho killings at the moment, they're not ruling out that other killings that have gone on for a few years could be attributed to him, in which case he would be a serial killer. Mm. 
I mean, there's something fascinating about these are the worst people, arguably the worst people in the world. They're not the worst people. They are terrible people because they're killing people. They're not necessarily the worst people in the world, but they are people just like us who were born. Something happened along the way Hmm. that made them just snap one day. Like, do these people know when they're kids, when they're a teenager, they're going to be a killer when they grow up? Probably not. No, that's where it's not. That's where not. Yeah, you wouldn't know, but that's where the kind of compulsion starts. Yeah, that's where you're molded as a person during those early child teenage years. But even then, I still think it's something could happen in later life where it just triggers you to go. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've got to have the seeds to plant it, but yeah, something it's tragic so, for sure. It's fascinating because they're just so like inhuman as well. Like we're unwired that way, and you're just like, how can someone who's the same as me be like this? Yeah, be I think that's why. I think that's why it was so like um, after Vietnam, like so many murders started happening because you go through that trauma and mm, like the horrors of the yeah. war and like it just mm. brings you back. You're a changed person. You've got PTSD and then you have well, some so kind of weird link with murder. Well, didn't they? they they all came back to no jobs and boredom yeah. and like mm. you're let down and you're angry as well. That's mm. an in, that's an interesting angle. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah. That's when it's that's when it really started kicking off, didn't it? Around like all the mo- it was all serial more killers. documented around then as well there might be yeah. documented like the news changed people's first for blood changed as well didn't it mm. after the war people probably more desensitised that type of stuff it's like car chases mm. became on the news and all that kind of stuff mm. I think that's also why this this kind of fascination has come around because we, you get to that point where people are obsessed with like uh, documents things being documented in newspapers tv and you you become like so transfixed of it that it beca- does come fascinating that there's this murder and serial killer going around mm. because and you're constantly looking in the papers like oh is in the papers today what have they done have they is there any new information it's like there, there's an obsession just with the general public not just the people working on the case yeah also the serial killer themselves is fascinated by that they want the glory of being in newspapers mm. they want the glory sure. of and this guy, this guy, he wanted a movie made about him as well. He's like, who's yeah. going to play me in the movie? Mm. And one way or another, Zodiac <laughs> was made and many people played him in the movie. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's still but, talked about to this day. Still talked about to this day, but not his name, only what he represented. Like yeah, Batman. I think that's what they want, though, mm. isn't it? You want to get away with it. Almost like. Well, I mean, yeah. Some I people guess, want to be caught in a way. Exactly. They, because they want to be associated with it and known for doing it. Mm. Like names, you know, Ted Bundy, Ed Gein, Dharma, these names, these people want to be associated with the horrendous crimes that they committed. Their name goes down in infamy because of it. They represent something now. People, they may have been forgotten sheep before. No one's going to forget their names anymore. We know what they did. And in a way, they become almost immortal, godlike because of what they did. And I think that's why a lot of serial killers do what they do. It's a a huge god complex. I've taken life, multiple lives. And you won't remember them, but you'll remember me. Fucking scary. Yeah, absolutely. Scary because it could be us. And yeah. that is that is kind of it is kind of fascinating that clearly that is what was going through the Zodiac's head. Hence why he's sending all these letters and ciphers because he loved the thrill of like, look, come and get me, kind of thing. Mm. I did this, and it's fascinating that he just stopped. It's like what happened. I mean, he must have died, don't you think? Mm. Yeah, but then it came. He came like, as they say about Arthur Allen, he went to prison, and then the letters started again after he came out of prison. Yeah, mm. it's like, 
But then there's the other thing. it's too for it not to mm. be. I do agree with Gillian Hall on that one. Mm. I can't remember the the um, specifics exactly, but there's always the possibility that the person who was sending the letters wasn't the killer, right? Yeah, yeah. Apart from the blood on the clothes, I think that was the only... When he was sending the clippings of the shirt, that was the thing that sort of reinforced that he was the killer because of the, there was evidence then. Yeah. Which which should kind of mean that it was them all along because it would have been the same handwriting, wasn't it? Surely, because they mm. they compared all the letters. Yeah, because that's what they did in the, the film, didn't they? They compared the letters of the bloodstained one and the old letters, and they said, "Yeah, it's the same." Yeah. So, I mean, how dumb would you have to be to imagine starting writing letters saying I did the murders, and then some, and then you get found out, and you're pinned with all those murders? I know, <laughs> absolute I know. fucking idiot. It is that. It is that little dance. It's the, it's the thrill of being caught, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to catch me? Mm. It's like, I think there aren't many light Zodiac, that, but we have our own in this country with Jack the Ripper because there's loads mm. of theories about who that was. Um, mm. Even Banksy. Like the like linked Banksy. with the royal family, it was stuff like that, wasn't it? Yeah, so, killing so the, many Killing theories. the children of, trying to find the child of, of the royal family. It's yeah. like fucking Game of Thrones. I know. Trying to, try, try to find Brathian's children. I know. <laughs> there was the closest that in my time I in my time on, on earth that I can remember having something similar to this but it was so short it was like a week and a half or two weeks was um, the I think it was the Sussex Ripper they called him and he was killing mm-hmm. prostitutes in Sussex I think which is a place in sort of middle England over here for you foreigners um, and he was these prostitutes were dying I think maybe four or five prostitutes died over the period of about 10 days like every couple of days and i remember that mm. actively being reported on the news and it was like oh shit an actual serial killer but they caught him super quick mm. he was like some 55 60 year old slightly overweight man mm. must be hard to be a serial killer nowadays <laughs> not what it used to be <laughs> it's not what it used to be no <laughs> I don't make them like that anymore. But I no, wonder what no. happens to those people. Some, so say the Zodiac is born now, in this day and age, in 20 years, when it, when technological advancements are even more stringent, even more hot to stop these sorts of things happen happening, mm. what happens to the person who has that compulsion, who can't do it and get away with it? Do they just do it once and get caught? Or do they have to find other outlets to express themselves? And what, what could those other outlets possibly be? Man, I don't know. Taking life is the ultimate, isn't it? Yeah. It's the most dangerous game. It is the most dangerous game. I Mm. liked the sort of idea throughout the film. They kept talking about like movies and other movies of the time and the fact that they had Dirty Harry there and like how this film was almost like a taking a shot at films like that, which are like sensationalist. They Mm. catch, they blow the bad guy away at the end this film was like yeah that shit doesn't happen in the real world mm. there's frustrations and, there's dead ends and the guy doesn't get caught at the end and then they had that film they watched scorpio is that based on zodiac so my understanding is that it was it. dirty harry i don't i haven't seen dirty harry i know they called oh, it scorpio yeah, i think the killer is called scorpio and dirty harry but i haven't seen dirty oh, harry that makes sense that's why dirty harry was in the yeah yeah, okay, yeah. Right. Jenny was like, why the hell are they all watching that film at the same time? How convenient that Dylan <laughs> Hall is there and Ruffalo at Invited that time. to the premiere. They got the <laughs> press passes. <laughs> um, yeah. Nuts. 
I mean, on rewatch, I appreciated it more. It wasn't as uh, dull as I thought it was. I think the first time around, I thought it was dull, maybe because when I watched it, I was hoping for a killer reveal and maybe didn't know mm. enough about Zodiac. This time I was more like, okay, let's look at the process involved in it. Yeah. And it was interesting. It kept my interest enough. Sure. I could imagine watching it again. I'm not surprised you watched it several times. Yeah. Did you uh, watch the real clip of the the Logan Roy <laughs> no, <laughs> TV I show? No, I didn't. It's, it's, so is that it, on YouTube? It's exactly, it? Yeah, it's exactly... Exactly the same. Baffling. So what well, about baffling. that beard, man? He looks so different. <laughs> <laughs> what? So when I was watching the film, I was struggling to work out who that guy even was, the Brian Cox character. Who was he meant to be? A psychologist or something, I think. All right, so he's not an actor. He's a psychologist. Or maybe I was... Oh, no. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe because at the... I assumed he was a psychologist because he, the fact that what they were talking about. But... I uh, uh, he is a because, lawyer because oh he's a lawyer okay so shit he's the lawyer who represented Jack Ruby who shot Leah Harvey Oswald oh see so what made me think that is because the other TV presenter said oh I liked you in that Star film. Trek well yeah I liked you in Star Trek yeah that's what so that's what yeah it's a bit confusing I don't know so he was a lawyer Yes, he appeared mm. in And the Children Shall Lead, a 1968 episode of the original Star Trek series. In it, he appears as Gorgon, the friendly angel, an evil being who corrupts a group of children, one of whom is played by Sun Caesar. Okay, Jesus. so he he, play, he was on TV a bunch of times, but he is mm. a real lawyer. But he went, he was in seven TV series. Yeah, this guy has some kind of uh, god complex as well. Well, he would love the attention. There is an he interesting... Point. I can't remember which character says it. They're talk- whoever it is, I think it's Mark Ruffalo, is talking to Brian Cox about the Zodiac. And he says, or maybe he just likes the attention. And he mm. looks at Brian Cox. And yeah. I thought, yeah, you're saying that about him. He loves yep. that Zodiac mm. wants him on the fucking telly. You can tell by the way he's talking. And he's like, nothing about, like, they're speaking about the, his his cleaners or something, or his, his whoever they are, who work in his house, his yeah. housemates. And he's like, enough about that, though. Let's talk about the phone call. Like, oh. Exactly. exactly. It's like, exactly. No, because the most important evidence was actually the fucking phone call yeah. that the, the maids picked up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was bizarre. It was strange and wild. All of those things. Like, And th- that reminds me, you know, the police dispatch, the first time the Zodiac Killer called up the police to sort of taunt them, Mm. or whatever whatever it was the the um receptionist who took that phone call and spoke to the zodiac killer yeah this is very interesting when david fincher shortlisted people to play uh the role of lee allen thingy mm. he had a bunch of actors shortlisted and he played a, vo- a vocal recording of each of them to that actual receptionist and then she picked oh, okay. uh lynch and said his voice sounds the most similar, and that was That's why he was cast. Cool. Yeah. Oh wow! So it is. I mean, it is a very like um, thorough, sp- specific, mm. well-researched piece of work. Oh yeah. yeah, I think it's great because of that. I just yeah, think it sure. needed one other notch up for it to to become truly yeah. great for me, and also yeah. make it one from just being facts and a bit mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. Again, it's it goes back to what we said about um, Judas and the Black Messiah, where it's a true story, very factually yeah. represented, very interesting, 
but give me something more for a film. If it was a documentary, yeah. 10 out of 10. Mm. Yeah. But mm. I, I, I still think this is, and I think the Triple Judas, again, they're both very good films, in my opinion. I don't yeah, know if you want to go around to get given scores, but yeah. The score isn't low. It's not like, I think sometimes we talk about this film, it might sound like we're going to give it a low score, but mm. I'd imagine we're all going to give it a, not a massive rating, but a fairly decent score. I think no, we'll I give think, it decent. I think we're all high on, on what it does well. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think there's anything really, really bad in this film. Or it's there's nothing bad, done. but that's no, also it's probably just, one of the worst it's things just you how, say. how you, you're left feeling. I think that's yeah. what it is. It's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not I surprised. Didn't get I didn't, anything. don't really remember much about, about like the actual film itself. I don't remember much from before. I'm yes. not surprised by that, and I can mm-hmm. remember the story, and you remember the facts, and you can remember the information that you got. But the actual film itself, there's not a moment that stands out, mm-hmm. and then you're going to take away with you and go, oh, no. I remember that bit from then. That moment, though, at the end where he does walk into that gardening store or whatever it is, yeah, and the guy slowly turns around, he's like, "Can I help you?" And then Jake Gyllenhaal was looking at him, and he looks the back look on like... that guy's face is like, "I yeah. know who you are, and you know who I am." And he just drops, yeah. His face just drops, doesn't it? Like, yeah. he almost looks menacing. But the other shot. And to then follow it, even though I think it should have ended there, that scene when Liam Poyle comes in and looks at the mug shots, mm. when he's mm-hmm. like, that's the guy, that's definitely the guy. And he's like, how sure are you? And he's like, eight. And you're like, oh, that is not nine or ten. Mm. Mm. That is saying, well, maybe not. Which I think is kind of David Finch's way of going, it probably was this guy, but hey, actually... I would like to know how how honest these scenes are as well. Like, did this guy come in and say, this is an 8 out of 10? Did mm. he look at the other guy and say, he has a round face like this man? I know. <laughs> Stuff like yeah. that. Or was that just for the to dramatise it? And that's the other thing, right? That guy, that kid, um, saw the Zodiac for the briefest period of time before he was shot by him, right? Mm. And he had a flashlight in his face. Flashlight in his face. Mm. Almost 20 years later, or 20 years later, whatever it was, 22, 23 years later, whatever... Are you really going to be able to, mm. you know, think of someone you, I know that it was probably a very traumatic event, uh, being nearly killed and having your girlfriend shot to bits, but are you really going to remember that man's face that you mm. saw very briefly? Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? It's the same as Fincher going around speaking to all these people so many years later mm. like forget it being 22 years at the end of this film yeah how many years it's been since then yeah. like all these people who have probably put so close to their lives read the book mm-hmm. and absorbed the information and it's like what is real anymore what is the truth and what isn't i know so it doesn't surprise me that it's probably closer just to the book than anything else yeah because that is so so much more in the public eye than than all the police files and all the that's true like that and and you know the other thing that fincher did was he d- only did reenactments of um murder scenes where someone was left alive who could verify it so the very first yeah. killing the zodiac did because no one was alive he didn't even do it yeah it yeah. was in 68 yeah. wasn't it that's right the year before yeah. that's why i thought this question about what years how long this mm. was trick you out a little bit but it didn't because if you read the plot no, description, it says sixty-eight to seventy-eighty-three or something like that. Well, look well at it, kind of, it kind of works, doesn't it? Because this is um, when the Zodiac wanted to be kind of renowned for at mm. that moment. This is the t- this is the killing from then they want to be known for. Yeah, yeah, great. And one more thing, 
Yeah. Hurdy gurdy man. Great accompaniment to the film. Yeah, it's a little bit chilling, isn't it? Yeah. A little bit of a chill. Hurdy gurdy man. Yeah. It makes me not Lovely. feel too good. No. <laughs> <laughs> it had a good soundtrack actually throughout. It was kind of yeah. a, 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 a good soundtrack. Like it, it felt very current throughout and whatnot. Mm. Mm. Of the time. You know, mm. I, I think you might have seen this, Paul. I don't know if you've seen it, Adam, but if you enjoyed this, a very good accompaniment, I think, would be Summer of Sam, which is. I still need to watch it so long. What do you call it? The. Uh, it's Spike a, Lee. Yeah, the Spike Lee one, which is I've exactly been, this. I've been to watch it for so it's, long. It's. It's just the same. It's very engrossing. It's it's all about the when Son of Sam was killing people in New York, and it's set during that time, and we the killings keep happening, but it's more about the immediate community mm. and their day to day lives while this is happening. Mm. It's good. It would work very well with this. I prefer Summer of Sam. Interesting. I I do need to watch that again. Mm. Adrian Brody. John yeah. Leguizamo with a, with a fucking Mo, Mohican or something isn't he yes and a British mm. accent because he cut that's that's the thing the, like he's part of this little group in New York but he's just come back from London and he's come back sort of inspired by the Sex Pistols so he's talking with a bit <laughs> of a British accent he looks like a punk and all his New York people are like the fuck's going on with him man he's come back right when his killings have started is this the killer like they suspect him it's very good ah interesting very good but yeah, um, I was very happy to to check it out again. Mm. Yeah, thanks for bringing it to the podcast. I I thought we had a great conversation. That went in a way that I'm I'm mm. glad. Yeah, it more talks about just talking about the case more on the film. All I know. The time. Yeah, I did think that as it was going on, I was like, I, we, we need I mean, to that's talk what about the film. The film is, but the, film is the case. The film is. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it really is. The film is the yeah. case. Well, should we do scores? Let's do some scores. All right. Well, I'm up from a six to an eight. I don't think that's necessarily surprising. Oh, wow. Uh, just I like our man. Six from I didn't mean you'd be a six beforehand. Yeah, mm. I was a six beforehand. Just because, like you said, with, with time, if, if 15 years pass, you look back on the film and you're like, what happened in it? I can't remember too much. So it's like, well, nothing's memorable in it. So low. But for all the reasons that I've stated, it's an eight. It, to be a nine or a ten, I needed some... Uh, another psychological level to it I needed something a bit more cinematic mm. yeah absolutely okay uh, it was an 8 for me before and I'm going to keep it at an 8 um, yeah 8 I'm exactly the same I knew. it just leaves it's, I, I've, I think it's a fucking great film it just leaves me a little bit unsatisfied at the end but that I is think the it's fucking Zodiac it leaves you as satisfied as you can do I think it's yeah yeah it does mm-hmm. what it can but it's just you're always going to be like oh, it's an why intro, didn't yeah. they catch him <laughs> yes well that makes it very easy to do our overall scores because our average is just an 8 we've got a bunch of films on 8 let's see how high it will go our lowest 8 is The Hunger it's better than The Hunger it's better than The Hunger next is Ghostbusters Afterlife for me Ghostbusters Afterlife is better it's better than Ghostbusters Afterlife for me Okay, it goes up then, doesn't it? Um, what did I give? You? I mean, I gave Ghostbusters. You gave it an eight as well. I gave it an eight. Oh, I don't know. You must be honest with yourself. I don't believe that you think that Ghostbusters no, after is better than Ghostbusters. Oh dear. Yeah. We can't be friends no more. <laughs> oh, oh dear. <laughs> wildlife. Wildlife's better. Wildlife's better. This is better than Wildlife. There you go. Stay under Wildlife. Under Wildlife. So look at that. Two Gyllenhaal films side Two by side. Mm. So it's The Hunger, then Ghostbusters Afterlife, then Zodiac, then Wildlife. Zodiac. 
It's quite low in the grand scheme of things, isn't it? Hmm. Hmm. I reckon someone could at some point come along and give that a little score. I reckon that's entirely possible. That's yeah, one of those films. Yeah, yeah, films. yeah, yeah. Great, though. I'm so glad you picked that. I'm, I really wanted to return to it, and yeah. I'm very glad we did. Good. I, will. I can't wait to find out what we're going to uh, do as our final film of 2007. Well, before we do that... Oh, yeah, we need to listen we to got people. Some, we got some uh, people who have given some reviews of Zodiac themselves. Do you want to hear them? Yeah, let's see yeah. what they got to say. First of all, we got Sean Pan and Nicholson, and he said, It's a great movie about obsession. Not seen it for a while, but that's what I remember taking away from it. Also, that basement scene with Roger Rabbit himself freaking us and poor Jake Gyllenhaal out. I think a rewatch is in order. I didn't realise it was Roger yeah, Rabbit. what does he mean, Roger Rabbit? That's the voice must, of Roger Rabbit, is it? Must be. Must be, yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, know. The fuck out there. Does that make the scene scarier or more laughable? <laughs> if he started talking like Roger Rabbit, that would be scarier. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back and watch that now, I think. And I mean, I don't really know Roger Rabbit all that well. He definitely puts on a voice for Roger Rabbit, so he's not speaking like Roger Rabbit in the scene. I mean, I could totally believe that. Oh, fucking hell. Weird. Weird. Um, yes, you are correct, Sean. It is about obsession. Yes. Uh, next up, we have Om Too Cool, who says, An absolutely fantastic film with a top-notch cast. This is, in my opinion, Fincher's masterpiece. His All the President's Men. That's a bold statement. Uh, Gyllenhaal and Robert Downey Jr. are perfect, and Mark Ruffalo genuinely feels important here. Also, the idea of filming the killings from the perspective of the killer is brilliant. Only memories of murder can stand toe to toe with this one. That was Bong Joon Ho's masterpiece. I saw. I meant to say this in the episode that Bong Joon Ho really praised uh, this film and said that Fincher it was note perfect the way that he approached it. And when oh, I saw wow. that, I was like, oh, is that why Bong Joon Ho made Memories of Murder? But Memories oh, of Murder came first. Oh, I was about to say, <laughs> is it, it's a similar storyline then? Yeah, it's a it's about an unsolved. Uh, serial killer but in Korea in the, in okay. Memories of Murder it is similar in some ways there's a bit more levity in Memories mm. of Murder um, but it's the same sort of thing like you're just following dead ends going down rabbit holes um, getting frustrated at every turn little things turn into big things big things turn into little things I think Memories of Murder is better interesting mm. okay I really need to get see that again yeah I mean it has a very similar end like final scene where it's like well yeah it, it, mm. They are very similar. I feel like Fincher saw that and was like, I want to make that, but about the Zodiac. Yeah. Okay. Um, Interesting. Thank you, I'm too cool. Yeah. I can't agree about Robert Downey Jr., though. I, I do think, like, that Robert Downey Jr. just plays Robert Downey Jr. for the most part in films. And I can see, mm. when I was younger, I didn't... There was someone that I used to know who used to say, Robert Downey Jr. annoys me because he's always playing that same guy. And I never f felt it. But nowadays... I'm like, yeah. yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah, he does always play the same kind of person, that kind of sarcastic. Yeah, he's Tony guy, Stark yeah. in almost everything. The only yeah. thing, and it is for my money, Robert Downey Jr.'s best performance, is when he plays uh, Wayne Gale in Natural Born Killers, like that frantic oh, news yeah. reporter yeah. obsessed with the murders. That works. Yeah, that's a very different kind of character, isn't it? Yeah, with mm. Oliver Stone's wild drug-addled direction, it worked. Mm. Anyway, mm. good, very good. Right, before we move on to our patrons, shall I tell you what film we're doing next? <sighs> Jesus Christ. Holy yes. Shit. It has been a hard one. I might go through my thought process. Yeah, please how do. I landed on. So, and don't forget to I tease us before the reveal. Yes. I told you <laughs> that I wanted to do a film at one point, and it kind of has slipped through the net because it's just not available anywhere. And you literally have to buy a physical copy. Yes. And... 
that will be a lot of it. One day it will be available and we will watch it. And that was Death Sentence oh, by yeah. James Wan. Mm-hmm. So I discarded that. And then I was like, okay, there's three films I potentially want to do. And I was so torn between them. One was, I was thinking, okay, we've all picked really big films. I feel like I might as well finish and do another big one as well. Then I thought, nah, I don't really want to. And that was No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. Good. I'm glad you didn't pick that. Yeah. So I decided against that. And then there was a very short film. I think it's about 78 minutes. And it's a horror film, which not many people have watched. It's a French film. And it's called Inside. Okay. Don't know what that is. It's best. One day you can watch it. Okay. It's bordering along like the lines of as extreme as like martyrs yeah I thought when you said it it's going to be along those lines yeah especially French yeah okay but what we're going to do is a Spanish film The Simpsons movie I know what it is yes from 2007 neither of you have seen it I watched it very early days of me really getting to the cinema oh I don't know what it is then not very early days I'm talking late teens so 2007 (laughs) (laughs) Because that's the year. Yes. <laughs> and uh, this is The Orphanage. Uh, interesting. I've never seen it. Never yes. heard of it. That's good. That's good. Good. Uh, it's it good that you don't know blind. anything about it. It's not It's not necessarily background blind. It's just it kind of stuff just gets revealed in the plot just like you should. It's not something you, that's going to get r- ruined if you like read the plot description or anything like that. Mm. But um, I I got a lot out of it. When I when I first watched it, and I'm interested, I haven't seen it. I haven't, probably haven't seen it since then, since yeah. past like two, 2010. I probably haven't seen it, so I'm interested to go back to it. I've heard that it is scary, but that's it is, it, it's a ghost story. That's all I'll say. Good. I look forward yes. to it. Do you know there were two films that I thought you were potentially going to pick? Mm. One was Dead Silence because that was also James Wan. Yes, uh, I, I, I was surprised when I saw that. They came out the same I year as metal. And Nuts. then, when you said it's a Spanish film from 2007, I was mm. sure you were going to pick Time Crimes, which, as an aside oh, for you, yeah. Paul, if you haven't seen it, I thought it was good. But because you mm. like and really like time travel films, mm. you would love that film, I that think. That did pop up, and I saw that you've seen it, so I was like, now nah, I want something you haven't seen. Yeah, but you, yeah. Sh- you should watch that. Yeah, it's on my watch list. It is on there. That's good. Now that you've said it, I will yes. seek it out and watch it. That's what we're watching. Orphanage. The Orphanage. Very good. Very good. So for 2007, we had Once, that was brought to us by Sean. Then Adam suggested There Will Be Blood. Benny suggested Zodiac. And Paul sees us home with The Orphanage. And I wonder Hell what yeah. our common themes of 2007. All of these, apart from Once, seem very dark and gloomy films. Yeah. Mm. yeah. About men on the verge of breaking. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of dark and gloomy in once because he's like he's trying to work for his demons of his wife leaving him. I guess girlfriend, but yes, true. Get girlfriend, yes. Yeah. What is it so long ago, man? Now it's been. I know it does feel ages ago, doesn't it? Mm. But anyway, well, that's gonna be fun. Excellent. I look forward to that. And how do we? uh, How how can we and our fellow uh, listeners see the orphanage? I can't remember if it's on a streaming service. I've just looked. You can rent it on YouTube, or or you can rent it on Amazon and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, we can watch it somehow, yeah. whatever that may be. Fine. Right, should we see this episode out with what our patrons have to say? Yes. yes. Right, everyone, our patrons, they send us little messages 
every week and they tell us their best and worst of what they've been watching. If you want to become a patron, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters. And you can become a patron just like the likes of Jason Clarkson. Francis Siberini, who is doing a little video thing maybe on The Last of Us TV series if you're interested. Oh, oh yes. my goodness. Top secret. Top secret, you just build all his secrets. Yeah. I don't know, is it? <laughs> uh, we've got honeymoon friend, Paul's honeymoon friend, Andy Bishop. Yes, we do. We have Ben from Film Vloggers. We've also got Mark and Steve from Movie Drone. We have Brent from Home Video Hustle. We have Mr. Luke Human. We've also got Sean Padder Nicholson, who started off 20, 2007. Yes, I hope you're enjoying the round, Sean. Thanks for bringing this one up. We've got Nerd Revert, who's still roaming around America. We have Julio from The Contrarians. He's picking the next round. He oh, is. Yeah. He is. We've we already got the year. We do. Oh, yeah. Exciting. It's exciting. We've also got Jamie Russell. And last but most certainly not least, we have Katie Inoti, who just recently got Rotten Tomato approved. They got all the rotten tomatoes. Check it out. Right. First of all, we got Sean Pan and Nicholson, and he says, Happy New Year and all that jazz. I just uh, had to say that in Chicago. Thank you. Okay. Best for me was, I'm sure I've gone on about this too much, but I have to say, the 1984 film that scared the nation, Threads. Oh, I yeah. could write a whole book on why I think it's so amazing and effective as a piece of cinema, but I think you just need to watch it. You need to. Don't be put off by the fact that it looks like a typical 80s TV production. It's anything but. It's an important document in the effects and aftermath of a nuclear war, and it sparked a massive want in me to learn more and take in as much about the subject as possible. Needless to say, I'm going to be chasing the Thread Dragon for a long time to come. Worst, and I'm sad to say it, Fantastic Beast: The Secrets of Dumbledore. I love the first Fantastic Beast film. Thought the second was okay, and was really disappointed in this one. I'm not a Harry Potter guy, but I thought the series had tre- tremendous potential that has been totally squandered, and it's gutting. Anyway, love and appreciate you guys, and please do me a favour and watch Threads. I need to watch Threads. I've had it on DVD for about 15 years and never watched it. I'm going to. <laughs> oh, I've heard it's devastating. Look at that, 1984. We haven't done 1984. No, we haven't. Maybe maybe it can show up some point hey, if anyone wants to pick 1984. Patrons, if you're going to pick years for us, throw us back to the past, man. We want to go way back. Okay, yeah. This gets sent way back. Let's go pre-70s at least. Yeah, let's go pre-70s. <laughs> Who knows? That might be the next round. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, on that uh, Fantastic Beast stuff, the minute that mm. they dropped Johnny Depp, I was like, fuck you. Mm. Yeah, it's true. And it's Mads though what's we the love a bit with, of Mads yeah I know but like you know they just dropped that fucking man on, though, and anyway. on allegation and what's the deal with Amber Heard is she still in play on, nope. on those films she's not it's Amelia Clark. yeah well why did they keep her for the second one this is the second one they've dropped her oh okay F- fine good yeah and yeah. they justified it by saying because she lied fuck no so they I haven't even looked at what any justification or anything I just heard about Amelia Clark. That's all I know. All I know as well is that, yes, The Secrets of Dumbledore is not very good. And I think the whole Fantastic Beast films are just a bit pointless. They should never have done them. Yeah. Bit of money in it. It is. They, they're just trying to make the Wizarding World. they got their own little logo now. The Wizarding World comes up at the beginning of the film. <laughs> just don't create a Wizarding World. <laughs> just leave it as it is. And Eddie Redmayne just is doing that insufferable I'm Eddie Redmayne performance. Mm, which makes me mm. want to punch him in the face. I'm not a violent man, but it's like, ugh. 
Stop yeah. doing this annoying thing with your mouth. What, talking? <laughs> talking. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know what I mean, right? If I say that annoying thing Eddie Redmayne does with his mouth, I, th- I bet you are both picturing exactly what I am now, which is his top lip sort of lifting away from his teeth. Like he's like he's got a duck, like doing a duck face. Yeah, but not pouting. It sort of just it raises. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's highly annoying. <laughs> he's a little bit annoying, yeah. Of course he is. Of course he is. Anyway, he plays more that he plays more of the same character than Robert Downey Jr. Doesn't. He? Yeah, that is true. That is true. Mm-hmm. I agree. And also, Ezra right. Miller's in those films, isn't he? So he can't be in it anymore. Lunatic yeah, they kind of. Is. They kind of. Uh, ended his story in this one I think so they didn't have to bring him back is he still in the Flash film is that still coming out it's already filmed so everything's done so, so they're going to release about... that film given everything that's happened I, I imagine so fucking hell that's mm. controversial isn't it I know it's nuts I don't really know what they're going to do it's weird anyway alright cheers thanks Sean thanks Sean um, well Adam it's you next isn't it <laughs> yes He's so next Jamie. Up we have Jamie Russell he says, I was really pleasantly surprised by Clerks 3. If you're a Smith fan, and why would you watch it if you're not, then this delivers all the fanboy nostalgia that you could want. However, this is a much more poignant and self-reflective ending for the trilogy. As I share roughly the same age as the protagonist, it really hit me much harder as a result. It certainly had me shedding a few tears by the ending. Mm. Have you watched it, Paul? Uh, no, I, I don't even know where to watch it. Is it in the cinema? I don't know. I don't know. I keep looking on there. It's not on any streaming services I have. I imagine it goes straight to straight to streaming. It's like, it feels like that kind of film. Clark's, where can I watch Clark's 3 in the UK? It is available to stream on Amazon Now. What the fuck's Amazon Now? No, no, it's as oh. available now. <laughs> I thought it was a new streaming service. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So but you have to probably pay for it then. That's 3 49 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I, 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 I'm not the biggest fan of the first Clark's. Ah, see, now that's interesting. I was about to say, Clark's is the only Kevin Smith film that I think I like. I like that one. I mean, I, I haven't seen it since... I'm, I'm talking from teenager when I watched it, that I have yeah. no fond memories of it. I remember little bits. I, I, I liked Clark's 2. I watched that more recently, so that was mm-hmm. good. I enjoyed that. That goes really to all-out comedy more than the first, where the first was kind of subtle. Yes. Um, that's probably why I like the first one. There's like a... There's like a, a they bring some kind of donkey, some kind of sex donkey or something in the in the second one. It's like no, very outrageous. It. I'm, it's I'm very done outrageous. Already. Yeah, I am done already. But um, I'll be. I'll watch Clerks three. I've. I've. I. I like Kevin Smith. I mean, I have a huge love for Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, and you do. I think that is it. Everything else is like okay. I can give a take. I like Dogma. Um. I don't know. The stuff he does lately, I don't like. Especially the James and James Hunter Bob reboot was absolutely pants. Speaking of people who do annoying things with their mouths, he's another one, isn't he? And who? you know exactly what I mean about who, that. Kevin Smith. Oh, no, Kevin. Kevin Smith. <laughs> what does he do with his mouth? Not speak because right. he's silent. Picture, Bob. picture Kevin Smith with his mouth closed right now. What's he doing with it? He's probably like putting it to the side because it's like he's mouth acting because he's not speaking. He drags the corners of his mouth down on both sides and he wears a big fucking baseball cap backwards <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> and a big like basketball jersey that's like oversized. Yeah, and it's like, dude, fuck off. <laughs> what do you think, Adam? 
What, of Clerks 3? Or just of Kevin Smith in general. I don't mind him, he's not that annoying. I feel like he's made quite good films for people if you want them. They're not putting in your face, they're just there if you need them. Mm. As I look down at everything he's directed, it is literally only Clerks that I liked. Mm. But I haven't seen a lot of the others. Zack and Miri make a porno annoyed me recently. Oh yeah, remember that. Well. Well. That's Kevin Smith for you. That's Hollywood, baby. I mean, Dogma was okay. Dogma was okay. I need to revisit that to fully say where I stand on it. Mm. Linda Fiorentino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and what's her name? Plays um, God. Yeah, that's what I think. See, uh, I, I, I actually tweeted uh, Kevin Smith and I said, is this what Dogma means in reality? Because if you reverse it, it says AM God. And Arnest Morris said God. <laughs> but he never answered me back. Damn him. <laughs> he was too busy making donkey porn in Clark's too, yes, clearly. Yes, exactly. Thanks, Jamie. Oh, cheers, Jamie. And uh, rounding things off, we have Luke Human, who says there's a reason that formulas are formulas and not experimental recipes consigned to the oblivion of history. I have no idea where this is about to go. <laughs> that could go anywhere. <laughs> As such, I was pleased to catch up with 2021's Coda. Okay, that's where he's going. This is the result when the finest elements are carefully prepared and constructed with love and passion. The lack of plot surprises and structural innovation go largely unnoticed as any narrative familiarity is eclipsed by a depth of emotion and innate joy that resonates within the relationships on show. Jones is spectacularly real and thus relatable as the family's conduit to the wider world, a position that threatens to stifle her coming of age. Matlin and Kotzer balance drama and comedy in a totally affecting way, while Derbys shines as the exasperated angel. Handled brilliantly by Hedda, the story's strength lies in the depiction of the bonds that we are most hesitant to break in pursuit of our own identity. 10 out of 10. Nothing bad enough to warn anyone off, except maybe the second half of Sandra Bullock's The Lost City. But even that had Daniel Radcliffe, so every cloud. Is that a good thing, that it had Daniel Radcliffe, Luke? I mean, it depends what you thought about Daniel Radcliffe. Not much until he did weird. Mm. Well, maybe you should think mm. a little bit about him then. Maybe a little bit. A little bit. Uh, that's two weeks on the trot that we've spoken about, Coda. Who brought it up last time? It was uh, in the quiz yeah, of the, the quiz. Ah, oh, okay. Wow. Hey, maybe he watched it as a result of hearing you say that. Maybe. Potentially, yeah. We should really check it out then. Yeah, we should. It's on Apple TV for free. I do, I really get Apple TV, don't I? Or at least yeah. like get it. I think Zoe just got a new phone, so I might be able to get the subscription. The thing is, you really don't, because Apple TV is so limited with what I actually want to watch on there. Mm. Like it has a small for pool it. of films, but yeah, I'd get the free the free subscription off Zoe's new phone. So let's we'll do that, and then I can just cancel it. Well, thank you, Luke. Thank you so much for that. I'm, I'm very excited to talk about uh, Orphanage next week. Yes, me too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I, I yeah, that, that's the first film from this round that I hadn't seen before as well. So yes. I'm glad of it. Exactly, exactly. So uh, you could wait till then, or we're about to go and speak on our patron about our top three serial killer films each. Oh shit! Yes, we, we are. Do that now. That's gonna be fun. It's serial killers. Just when you thought we had enough of serial killers, yeah. we carry on. Exactly. I hope you guys enjoyed that Zodiac episode. I very much did. Yes. Yeah. And and we shall uh, see you next week. Thanks for listening as always. Yes. Thanks, everyone. Go, go check out our back catalogue if you haven't heard us before. Yeah, do and it. And you like what you heard today. Do it. I'm sure it's just as professional. Yes. It always see is. See you next week. Laters. 
Kill Busters.